Well, let us pray. God of us all, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake. Amen. So last fall, uh, on a fateful day, September 27th, I made a rash and uh, some might even say foolish vow. Last fall, you might remember, we were celebrating the 100th anniversary of Mennonite Central Committee, as you heard. MCC does relief development, peacemaking work around the world. Last fall, we had Ann Hirschberger, the new executive director of MCC, as our guest preacher that Sunday. You might also remember that last fall, uh, the Oregon Mennonite Festival for World Relief had to be canceled. Every fall, uh, Mennonites from up and down the valley gather in Albany, and we raised north of $100,000 to support the work of MCC. But because of COVID, we had to cancel that festival. And so we decided that we would raise some money for MCC here at Portland Mennonite Church. And on that day, we set a goal of raising $10,000, which is a pretty good amount of money. And uh, as you heard, we uh, developed a few thousand dollar challenges to uh, encourage, to entice giving. One of which was that Britt for $1,000 would take a pie in the face. And uh, as you've heard, Britt is leaving our pastoral staff, leaving our congregation, leaving our continent this fall. And uh, there was no way we were letting her get away without paying up and uh, making good on that promise. A second, and we're going to have to wait on this one, uh, Kurt for $1,000 is going to get a bunch of cans of silly string and hand them out to all the kids in the church. And once we're in person, you're going to be able to surround him and just just mummify him with silly string. And the third challenge, and let me just say, this is not my idea. I did not authorize it, uh, but, but here we are. The third challenge is that I would preach a sermon wearing uh, a mullet wig, and here was the promo photo. And... Uh, you know, I'm a, big, I'm a big supporter of MCC, as all of us are. I'm a big believer in the generosity of this congregation. And so uh, I, I wanted to push a little farther. And I said, you know, our goal was $10,000. But I said, if, if we raised $15,000, I would not just wear a mullet wig. I would, I would grow a mullet. And then Britt, uh, because, you know, Britt, she pushed a little harder. And she said, well, Rod... If we raise 20,000, will you die at pink? And I uh, didn't think carefully enough before I said yes. And we raised $20,000. And so here you go. Business in the front. Party in the back. I hope you're happy. This took me seven months to grow, and I got a cut on Friday, and uh, unfortunately, my barber shop isn't open today or tomorrow, so I, I'm going to be wearing this until, until Wednesday. They, they told me I used two different products, I have to say, to get it pink, and they, both of them assured me this will come out with shampoo, so I'm, I'm going to find out about that. I have, I have realized I'm kind of self-conscious wearing a mullet uh, in public. Because, um, you know, my hair was growing out. It was getting long. It was getting unkempt. But, you know, a lot of people aren't going to a barbershop these days. I just needed a haircut. But, but when you have a mullet in public, it's like people looking. I imagine people looking at me thinking, 
Now that guy, that guy went to a barbershop. He sat in the chair and he asked for that. And the thing is, actually, on Friday, I was on a Zoom conference call with the state representative for this district where the church is. It's, his name's Rob Nose, and his office is actually next door. We, we discovered in Southeast Uplift. So I'm hopeful I'm going to be able to have coffee with the, time, the guy sometime. But the entire time I was on the Zoom screen, and that day, you know, I mean, I'm meeting with the state rep. I couldn't wear a hat, had a button down shirt on, had my hair combed well, but you could see the hair in the back. And, and the whole time I kept, I kept moving my head, just trying to hide the hair in the, in the back from him. I, I, I don't think it worked. But it was actually, it was, you know, COVID was helpful. And that, I mean, obviously nobody wishes for a global pandemic, but in this case, COVID was a little bit helpful because um, my wife, Molly, did not have to be seen with me in public very much at all for the last seven months. And she is not going to be wanting to be seen with me in public for the next three or four days. I plan to be wearing a hat a lot. But mullets are actually making a comeback. Um, not pink mullets, but, uh, but mullets I hear are making a comeback. I don't really quite understand why. I think mullets are a little bit like cockroaches in that you can never really fully get rid of them. You can never rid the fashion world of mullets. Uh, they go back a long ways. Homer in the Iliad, he, uh, he describes soldiers wearing, quote, their forelocks cropped, hair grown long at the backs. Yeah, that's a mullet. Um, in the sixth century, right? So what, 14, 1500 years ago, Byzantine sources wrote about young males who wore their hair long at the back and cut short over forehead, over the forehead. So yeah, you can't really, you can't really kill a mullet. Uh, in this country, in the history of our country, let me, uh, let's go. Hey, there's Ben Franklin. So Ben Franklin in that period, uh, no powdered wig for Ben. Uh, this, this, this is actually a subspecies of mullet, though. This is actually called a skullet, which is a mullet for guys with receding hairlines. And so, Ben, he's showing a lot of forehead there. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, the mullet persisted. It really hit its stride in the 70s. So here's, uh, here's David Bowie, especially in the Ziggy Stardust era. But um, the thing with Bowie is that guy was so cool that he could make anything look good. Uh, here's Rod Stewart. I don't think he was uh, as successful with it. Uh, but really, um, it was the Beastie Boys in 1994. There they are. The Beastie Boys in 1994 in their song Mullet Head that really popularized the term mullet. And uh, I wasn't really a Beastie Boys fan, but here's, here's, the, here's how that song starts, or that rap, I suppose. And uh, some of us uh, were, you know, living in 1994. So let your mind drift back. You're coming off like your Van Damme. You've got Kenny G in your Trans Am. You've got names like Billy Ray. Now you sing hip hop hooray. Put your Oakleys and your stone wash on watching MTV and you mosh on. And then here's the mullet part of it. Number one on the side and don't touch the back. Number six on the top and don't cut it. Whack, Jack. And then it ends with the lines cut the sides, don't touch the back. And from there it took off. So there you had, uh, you got Homer Simpson with the mullet. Um, here's Billy Ray Cyrus. And I'm pretty sure he was thinking that was a pretty good look. And even Bono, front man from U2. I'm a big fan of U2, but I have to think, I have to hope that Paul Houston regrets that choice. I've learned a lot about mullets. And uh, since I've had to put up with this, you're gonna have to learn a little bit too. Chambers Dictionary defines a mullet as a haircut short at the front, long at the back, 
and ridiculous all over. And uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's about right. Um, it has some regional names. So it, it's, uh, it's in some places called a Tennessee top hat. So apologies to all the Tennesseans among us today. It's uh, sometimes called the Kentucky waterfall. Again, apologies if you're from Kentucky and Canada, and maybe Christine or Henry or some other Canadians can verify this. Uh, it's called hockey hair or maybe a hockey helmet. In New Zealand, this part in the back, they call that uh, the mud flap. And in Australia, and I think this is an homage to uh, Miley Cyrus's dad, they call it the achy breaky big mistakey. And um, yeah, I think that's about right. So, so the deal was, however, that I would, I would preach a sermon uh, in a pink mullet. And I don't think I have any illusions. Well, we have a Canadian who's saying that's the first I've heard of hockey helmet as a term for a mullet. So I don't know, I'm just relying on Wikipedia. What could be wrong there? Um, I don't have any illusions that anyone is gonna remember anything I say today. I'm pretty sure what you're gonna remember is, you know, pink mullet. So I'm thinking this is gonna to have to be a do-it-yourself sermon. You're gonna to have to figure it out in your own. I've had to do this on my own, so I don't think it's unfair for me to expect a little bit out of you today. And, uh, and these words from Paul from 1 Corinthians 13 seem very fitting. Paul writes about wisdom and, and foolish, foolishness. So on, on the one hand, there's the wisdom um, that we all grow up with. There's, there's the conventional wisdom that we accrue, that we just sort of absorb by, by growing up, by living in, by being part of a culture in a particular time and in a particular place. It's the kind of wisdom that we know without really knowing that we even know it. And so... In the United States, it's, it's the kind of stuff that we hear all the time that just sort of seeps its way into our, uh, into our lives, into the way we think about how to live. And so we hear things like, um, God helps those who help themselves. Or maybe another version of that is, you have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, or it's, uh, it's something like charity begins at home. Or, you know, we have to take care of our own first. It's, it's the conventional wisdom like, don't get mad, get even which I think was the family motto for the Kennedys, actually. In our culture, the conventional wisdom is that success is measured by, by how much we acquire. Uh, in our economy, the conventional wisdom is, you know, business is business. And uh, if you want to make an omelet, if you want to be successful, well, you know, you're going to have to crack a few eggs every now and then. It's just the way it works, right? Uh, in politics, we hear um, there are times you have to draw a line in the sand. There are times you have to do what you have to do to protect your way of life, to protect our American way of life. But the thing is that conventional wisdom generates its own kind of common foolishness. And we can end up um, giving our lives to jobs that we don't really care about. We can end up buying a lot of stuff that we don't need, can't really, can't really use. Uh, in our common life, we can, we can imagine that we can work our way out of global climate change by doing more of the same stuff that got us into it. Or we can imagine that we can, uh, that we can make peace by going to war. So there's this conventional wisdom that, that can generate its own uh, kind of common foolishness. But there's another kind of foolishness, and that's what Paul's writing about in 1 Corinthians. He calls it God's foolishness. It's the foolishness that was embodied in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, who taught us to forgive the ones who have hurt us, who taught us to pray for the ones who want to hurt us. 
Jesus, who taught us not to worry too much about laying up treasures on earth, but instead to give our lives away in acts of love and mercy and justice. And then that's exactly what Jesus did, right? He gave his life for the sake of the world uh, in an ultimate act of love. And the power of that kind of love was validated when God raised Christ from the dead. That foolishness holds the holy wisdom of God that promises what we've been hoping for all along. It promises hearts that are true and lives that are full of love and communities that are equitable and just. That's the foolishness by which God means to to not only heal us, but to heal all of creation. So there are two kinds of foolishness. The conventional wisdom that often turns out to be very foolish. And then there's the foolishness of Jesus that turns out to hold the wisdom of God. And so the question is, which kind of fool are you going to be? And that's where this becomes a do-it-yourself sermon, because those are the kind of questions that only we can ask ourselves, and those are the kind of questions that only we can answer for ourselves. And so the first question is, where or when or how has the wisdom of the world, this conventional wisdom, caused you to do foolish things, caused you to do hurtful things, destructive things, deceptive things, caused you to damage relationships, maybe, maybe damage yourself, damage the community. So where, when, how has the wisdom of the world, the conventional wisdom caused you uh, to do foolish things? And then second, how can we be more foolish in what turns out to be the wise ways of Christ? How can we give more? How can we risk more? How can we serve more? How can we bet our lives more on the foolishness of Jesus, on the foolishness of the gospel, on the foolishness of love? So there are two kinds of foolishness. Which kind is this? Well, typically, I would say a mullet on a 61-year-old is an unwise choice. But this mullet, I'm willing to be a little, maybe even more than a little foolish for the sake of the gospel. In fact, I would do it again. But next time, it's going to cost you 40 grand for MCC. All right. I'm done. Amen.